Well, I want to tell you a little story about uh, some things God has been doing in my heart and uh, consequently a little bit in yours, whether you knew it or not. But um, about six months or so ago, we uh, I began to have a little inkling about uh, thinking and seeing what God was wanting to say to me and began a conversation with our pastoral staff about how is it we go about reaching more people for Christ? How can we best accomplish that? And so we began to to kick around some ideas. We had conversations with amongst the staff and on the board, and 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 out of that we we came up with this kind of thing that we've been talking about, which I hope you will recognize this when I say this: one church, different expressions. You all have heard that before, right? Well, thank you. Three of you have heard that before. Tell me, you have heard that before, right? One church, different expression. So it, it, was a, it was an idea that said that we could celebrate different expressions of worship and still be one church, right? That, that's, that's the basic foundation of what we were talking about. Believing in that context that we could more effectively in those different expressions reach more people for Christ. That's what we're trying to do. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a big idea, uh, one of those big idea things, when God begins to talk to you or say something to you or is moving or you're hearing promises and maybe he's nudging you in certain directions. And, and it's really, I mean, you're looking at this and you're saying, boy, if all this could just fall into place, if all of this could just work out, what an amazing thing this would be. And, and I don't know if you get there, but I, I've, I've been there, I am there, I get there. And in the midst of all that wonderful, oh my goodness, what a wonderful possibility, you end up with people like me just shaking in my boots, petrified about all that could happen in the process. It, it is a promise full of uh, questions and some scary parts to it. And, and we've made some decisions to change uh, our worship styles. And, and so the early morning, the nine o'clock service in here in the sanctuary has gone from kind of a somewhat blended kind of service to a much more traditional service. We sing mostly all hymns. We do more orchestrated music where it's quieter. Uh, we do those kinds of things. And that, so we change that kind of stuff. This service is in the midst of, we're still trying to figure out what this service looks like. But uh, we made some changes in here. We've experimented with some technology, which fell apart because we didn't have enough Internet capacity to really make that work effectively. And so we're kind of on hold with that. And so we've tried some different things to try to make this service a little different. And we invited the service that was meeting at the 630 hour in the evening to come and meet at the nine o'clock hour in the sanctuary, or in the fellowship hall. And all of that to say, we want to reach more people for Christ. Different expressions. We've taken some big steps to see that happen. And, and, and being me, I felt a little bit like Joshua on the edge of a great adventure with God. Now, I don't know if you remember the story of Joshua very well or not, but I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about Joshua and then a little bit about what God's been talking to me and us as pastoral staff and board about. But you know, the story of Joshua is this. Joshua is the guy who took Moses' place as they entered into the promised land. You, you remember that story. You know, Moses had brought them out of Egypt. They'd gone, they were on the edge of the promised land, and then things kind of fell apart. They kind of got cold feet, and they backed out of that. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they are just about ready to go back into the promised land. And Joshua is going to be the one who kind of leads them into that thing. 
And, and the thing that I think is so funny about this idea is that, that I, I think of Joshua as this amazingly powerful, strong guy. But every time you turn around, somebody is telling Joshua, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. I'm thinking, okay, well, if he's not an example of strong and courageous, then I'm in big trouble because he is the guy to me. And, and so we kind of get there, but that's what happens. So if you have your Bibles with me, with you, and you want to turn there, Joshua chapter 31, not, not, excuse me, I did that last time. There is not a 31 in Joshua. Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 31. And I'm just going to read a few verses and kind of bring you up to speed in the story. This is Deuteronomy 31. Moses is kind of giving some of his last words to the people and to, and to Joshua. And so it says this in verse 1, um, just reading verse 1 and 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 31. It says, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. There was a time and a place, and God had said to him, You're not going to go into the promised land. Somebody else is going to do that. So uh, if you're in my Bible, turn the page a little bit and look over. I've got to get my glasses. This is too far away. Um, Verse 6, Moses is continuing his conversation to the people, and Moses says to the people, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. We quote that verse a lot, but that's kind of the context of it in this case. Then Moses, continuing on, verse 7, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. So here we started out. Moses has got the word. This is kind of the last word to him, to the people and to Joshua. Be strong. Be courageous. Go. God's got this big thing. Charge into it. You can make it. Flip over a few more pages and you get to Joshua, finally, Joshua chapter 1. And here we have kind of the continuation of that story. Joshua chapter 1, first couple of verses there, um, it says this, after the death of Moses, so, you know, 31 to the end of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses dies. So, but Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. And jump down uh, to verse 6 again. And the Lord, now this is the Lord speaking <coughs> to Joshua and, and <laughs> on to the people. <coughs> Excuse me. Be strong and courageous. This is the this is Lord speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. I don't know, uh, I don't know what the, it means to say it twice or what it means to add a, a very in front of it, but I'm just guessing Joshua would need to hear it twice and he didn't know it was really important. The God saying to Joshua, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be very courageous. We've got something for you. It goes on, skip over to verse 9. And he's, he's telling them, he's talking to them all. He says, For, have I not commanded you? One more time, he says to them, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Well, we're getting something of his personality coming out here. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
So we have this word, uh, God is talking to Joshua and telling him these things. Now Joshua begins to talk to all the people and tell them that this is what's going to go on. But then the people turn around and they start talking to Joshua. I mean, everybody thinks Joshua has got a problem. So they answered Joshua and they said, whatever, whatever you command us to do and wherever you send us, we'll go. And jump down. It says, and at the end of that verse, in verse 18, the last word they say, is, we'll do everything you say to us. We'll go everywhere you want to lead us to go. But the only thing is this, Joshua, we just have one word to you, Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. And I'm thinking, Joshua? Joshua? Joshua was, was the guy. Joshua was one of the original 12 spies. You remember the story? Joshua and, and 10 and 11 other spies went in to spy out the land the first time they came to the promised land. And, and they went in there and they saw this amazing land of, you know, milk and honey and grapes and all the rest of that stuff. And they came back and they gave a report. And, the, and 10 of them said, oh, man, this is the most wonderful land you'd ever want to be in. It's an incredible place. Everybody would want to live there. Everybody would want to go there. But there's just this little problem. The cities are huge and fortified. And the people there are like giants. We look like grasshoppers to them. That's what 10 of them said. Caleb and Joshua said, yeah. It is all that. Land of milk and honey, huge fortified cities, massive amounts of people. Yeah, we do look like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, but if God is with us, we can certainly do it. That's the guy who's being told to be strong and courageous. I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you went against everybody. You stood up to everybody. You, you stood tall for God. And now they're telling you to be strong and courageous. You remember this, years have passed now. Now, now they're getting ready to go and, 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 you know, they're kind of saying, who's around? What are we going to do? And Joshua stands up and he says, I am now 80 years old and I am as strong as I was when I was 40. I had fun with this in the first service in the sanctuary here. Asked him, how many of you are 80? And we had like a whole bunch of them. How many of you are as strong today as you were when you were 40? And not so many of them. <laughs> But Joshua says it. He says, I'm as strong when I'm 80 right now as I was when I'm 40. I am ready to move forward. Joshua is a strong guy, physically strong, mentally strong, spiritually strong. He's ready to move in. (coughs) Oh, by the way, Joshua. You, man who fearful, prone to be terrified, prone to be overwhelmed, You, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be very courageous. You see, Joshua really, I I don't get it. He's this amazing guy. And yet sometimes when what God leads us to is so big and so overwhelming and filled with such great potential, There is still this tendency to just say, okay, God, how can this be? How can this be? Moses tells them to be strong and courageous. God tells them to be strong and courageous. The people tell them to be strong and courageous. I tend to think that life is just like that with God. When we are stepping into things bigger than us, life is just... Like that. Big promises, big dreams, big hopes, big risks, 
Even when God is with you, even when you know his presence is there with you, still lead us and remind us of the importance of being strong and courageous. And I think maybe you're here today and and you're in the midst of one of those things. Maybe God is talking to you about some big adventure in your life. And what you need to hear today is just be strong and be courageous in the Lord. Maybe you're in the midst of some promises that God has made to you, some visions that God started long ago that he's still working on. Can I get all the moms to say, Amen? I'm telling you, motherhood is a promise filled with the need to be courageous and strong. Because it is this life of challenges. I don't know what all God has going on in your life, but this is what I know. If God has called you to it, if God has invited you into an adventure with him, if he has assured you of some promise, and I'm thinking about the Hardings right here in the front row. Did you all say hi to these guys? They're back for just a week or so, and then they're off to the other side of the world. But if God has called you to something big, and if God has given you a big promise, be strong and be courageous. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's all there is. And you see, for me, this whole idea about this one church, different expressions, is that kind of moment. It's this big idea with God. We want to reach more people for Christ. And our only hope in that process is God himself. I want to be strong and I want to be courageous in the Lord this morning. I want to share with you a little bit of my heart on what I understand it means to be one church with different expressions. We kind of get the idea of different expressions, don't we? I mean... We, we kind of get it. We're in three pretty different worship expressions here in this place. And, and those are not the only expressions, folks. I, I just got to tell you, my hope and dream is that in the not too very distant future, we're, we will have four or five different worship expressions, several of them not in our own language, not in English. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say our own language, but not in English. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Different expressions but one church in the midst of that. So we get different. Different is easy. The challenge is how do we be one church in the midst of these very different expressions? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Eight things. And and I apologize, I don't have my normal outlines that I usually have. So if you want to take notes, take them or just listen. You can kind of get there. If you want the outline, I'll send it to you. Shoot me an email and I'll send it to you. Is this this? First one is this. Everyone in every service. Let me go back. These are things that I think define what it is to live out one church. Okay? 
One church means that everyone in every service identifies themselves more by the church they attend than by the service they attend. What, what that means to me is this. If somebody asks you, what church do you go to? Or they ask you, what, what, uh, where do you worship? Or where do you fellowship? Or where whatever word people are asking using these days. What church do you attend? I attend Mission Church of the Nazarene. I go to the 1030 service in the sanctuary. I really like it. Come and see. That's what that is. It is just simply that. Where do you go to church? I go to Mission Church of the Nazarene. I don't go to the, I don't go to the service at 1030 in the worship service or worship sanctuary. That's not a church. That's a place where we worship. I go to Mission Church and I worship in the 1030 service. I really like it. Come with me. Amen? That, that, that's the idea. There, there's this sense to say, that's what we're about. It doesn't matter what service you go to. It doesn't matter what style you prefer. You are at Mission Church of the Nazarene. We are one in this place. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. What it means to be one for me is that everyone in every service identifies the value of every other person ministry, and worship expression at Mission Church of the Nazarene. That, that means that I love my worship experience. And I'm so glad that you love your worship experience. It's good. You're getting blessed. I'm getting blessed. We're all getting blessed. It, it, it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of, I love my worship experience and I'm going to tolerate yours. No, it's not about tolerating. It's about valuing. It's about raising high the value of the people, the leaders, and the experience that others are having in their own worship experience. Because God is at work in the church, Mission Church of the Nazarene. Amen? One of the things I was really excited about was uh, a few weeks ago, we had a baptismal service in here in the 1030 service. We all kind of came in together. I think we're going to kind of do that, I think. Um, not firm on that, but I think so. And, and we had 19, 19, is that right? 19 people got baptized that day. You all were here? Yes, most of you all. 19 people got baptized. 19 people said, I want to identify with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Nineteen people representing all three of our services were baptized on that day. Amen? That's a huge thing. That's one church, because that's what we, one of the things we talk about, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We, we share those things in common with one another, and we celebrate what God is doing in each service and the expressions that help people grow and develop and nurture their faith. Amen? And we have to not just tolerate what others are doing. We have to celebrate it. You may not prefer some other worship style, but it doesn't matter. God is doing something good there, and we have to celebrate that. We have to say, man, that's the greatest thing in the world. I like to go over here, but that's the great thing. Amen? Okay. Third thing is this. 
Okay, see, because this is the deal. If we don't do that, it turns into a them and us. It, it, it turns into a them and us, or an us and them. Well, we do it this way, but they do it that way. We sit here, but they're over there. And, and, and we can't live like that. It has to be us. Us is the only word there is in the midst of this. It is us. Together. One church. Mission Church of the Nazarene. With different expressions. Okay. Third thing is this. Everyone in every service identifies with the goal to reach more people for Christ. That's our goal. It's, it's to reach more people for Christ. And every service identifies that as our big goal. If, if our goal isn't to reach more people for Christ, if our goal isn't to see more people come into a, a saving, loving, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, then, then we're kind of wasting our time, aren't we? Making all the changes that we make, it's not worth it. It doesn't help us. It's, it's not about just going and saying, well, I like it this way, so I'm going to go there and do this and that, the other thing. The point is this, is that we want to help us reach more people for Christ. Now, here's the logic. Now, maybe faulty logic, but this is kind of the logic that gets us here. It's to say, if you like your worship experience, you are more likely to invite others to church with you, Right? You're more likely to talk to others about what's going on in your life if you're experiencing positive things in your worship experience. That's, that's kind of the point of this. It's not just to say, oh, I, I, I like this style better than that style, so I'm just going to shift over there and I'll be happier now. I'll just suck it all in now. That's not the reason. The reason is that we might reach more people for Christ. That's where we get to. That's what it means to be one church. We have one big goal, and that big goal is to reach more people for Christ. That's it. Everything else falls to that. The fourth thing is this. If we're going to be one, everyone in every service identifies with our theological beliefs and traditions. That is to say, it doesn't matter what style of music you have. It doesn't matter who's preaching or teaching or doing whatever. There is a core of theological belief that we have in every service that holds us and binds us together. We believe in some very foundational things, whether you like to sing out of the hymnal and you sing it fairly soft and slow, or whether you like to be really thumpy and you do all that kind of stuff, whether you like to have whatever expressions of how you do that, it doesn't matter because there is a core of theological belief that binds us together and makes us one. Let me remind you, we believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Three distinct persons that share a common nature. We believe that God inspired the Old and New Testament scriptures and that they contain everything we need to know to be saved and to live as followers of Jesus Christ. This is real important to us. It's where we get truth from. That's what guides us. We believe that all humans are born in sin and that subject and are subject to commit acts of sin. We believe that those who refuse to confess their sins and follow Jesus Christ are lost and without hope. Why do we want to reach more people for Christ? That's it. That's it. We can say, oh, they're they're nice people. God will figure it out. Sorry, 
If we believe this, that doesn't work. We want people to come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We want people to know that God loves them, that God died for them, that there is hope for them, that there is forgiveness, that there is no person too high and no person too low that God can't transform. It's real simple. That's what we're about. That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is able to save everyone from their sins and that everyone who confesses their sins and follows the Lord Jesus Christ is forgiven, born again, and set free from the power of sin. We believe in hope. (laughs) Folks, we believe in a God who loves us and gives us hope. We don't have to keep on living the way we've always lived. We believe that there is hope. And no matter how you express it, that's the bottom line, right? There's hope in Jesus' name. We believe that after men and women are born again, they may live lives that reflect the character of God. That is to say, they can live holy lives. We really believe that. We don't have to live junk and garbage. We really do believe that God can so empower us, so infill us, so cleanse us, so forgive us, that we have new lives that we live. Lives that reflect His character and His holiness. We believe that a person can know that their sins are forgiven and that their lives reflect the character of God as the Holy Spirit confirms this in their heart. I say to you oftentimes, you need to know that you know that you know that you know that you know. Well, how do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know? The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That is Scripture. You see, these are all connected. That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus is coming again, that the dead will be raised, and that all humanity will stand accountable before God. There will come a day when we will all stand up and give an accounting of our lives. And and not the the liberty thing with the little balance of the scales. Not, well, I did this many good things and this many bad things, and so hopefully my good outweighs my bad. Not that kind of scale. That's not Scripture. The only word that will help you on that day is, Jesus Christ paid my price. He's the one. That's it. It's real simple. But we believe that day will come when all humanity will stand before him. Which is why we want to reach more people for Christ. God isn't willing, as I said in Scripture, God isn't willing that any should perish. Why should we be willing? We're not. We want to reach people for Christ. We want to spread that news. You see, there is a core theological belief that holds us together. And we are all on that page. At least that's what I think makes us one. When we're not, then we are less than one. But that's the point. Being one also means that everyone in every service identifies with our goal to develop fully devoted followers of Christ intimacy, community, and multiplication. That is kind of our mission statement. That's important to us. We, we are developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We want people that are sold out, not halfway. I'm sorry, if you're here and, and you're kind of new to this, I'm just telling you, I want you to go all the way with Jesus. I want you to go all the way with him. It's the greatest life in all the world. That's what we want, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we believe that happens 
Because we have an intimacy with Jesus Christ. We have an intimate relationship with him. We live in community with one another. And we have this heart that says, what I've got, I want to give to you. I want to share it with you in service and evangelism and all those kinds of things. We want to share those with each other and with the world around us. That's the very core of what we talk about here. Sixth thing is this. Everyone in every service identifies with our pastoral leadership. I think this means three things to me. First thing it means is this, is that practically, you know who our pastoral leadership, who they are, right? You, you know who I am, you know who Brian is, you know who Beverly is, you know who Colin is, you know who Karen is, you know who Chipo is, you know who Paul is. There, there's a sense, those are our, that's our pastoral team. Everybody identifies them. The second thing is this, is that everyone, everyone has a connectedness with pastoral care. You know that every Sunday, about 500 people come to worship in this place. Between our three services that we have here and Children's Church and all the rest of it, about 500 people show up every Sunday to worship on this campus. There are probably another two or 300 more that would call this place home, but don't make it every Sunday, just like many of you. <laughs> You know, it's just a big group of people. But every one of them, our goal is that every one of them has some kind of connectedness to pastoral leadership. That means you know who you'd call if there was a problem. If you were sick and going to the hospital, you know who you'd call. I'd call Pastor Beverly, or I'd call Pastor David, or I'd call Colin, or I'd call Brian, or I'd call Paul. or I'd call somebody because I have a pastoral relationship. Or as this extends, because even the six of us can't do it all, it gets passed on to life group leaders. I have a life group leader that I'd call because I know they're connected Everybody needs a pastoral connection. That's our goal. Developmentally, I think it means also this, that everyone in church values the teaching and training offered by all of our pastoral staff. That that means that the word proclaimed is bigger than the person proclaiming it. That is is to say that, that this is more important than me. You get it? This is our priority. We, we, if we don't do that, we get into weird places. And the scripture really speaks to us about, about the, the fallacy and the error of that. We, Corinthians, they, they talk about this idea that, that Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And they're in a battle about, well, you know, I belong to Peter. You know, Peter baptized me and... Somebody else said, well, you know, I belong to Apollos, and, and that's pretty cool. And somebody else said, well, I belong to this other one. And, and, and Paul says, that, that's, not, that's not scriptural. That's not what God calls us to. You see, it's just Jesus Christ. That's the only one that matters. That's the only one that's important. And when we get off into other stuff, we're going the wrong direction. You see, we all do it different. If Beverly stood there in this pulpit and she was preaching similar passage of Scripture, she'd do it like Beverly does it. And that's good. It's her style. Colin was up here, he'd do it a little different. If Brian was up here, he'd do it a little different. I'm up here, I'd do it a little different. It, it is, there's always differences about how people proclaim the Word of God. But folks, 
It is the word that is ultimately the most important thing that we do. And who, regardless of who stands in the pulpit before you, it is the word proclaimed that makes any difference. Now, I can tell my kind of jokes and half of you get them or don't get them. And uh, Beverly can tell hers and half of you get them and don't get them. You know, it, it's just the way you say it. But it is the word that it ultimately matters. Amen? Seventh thing is this. Everyone in every service identifies a place of service in Mission Church of the Nazarene and recognizes their interconnectedness to similar teams in other services. That is to say, if you're, if you're a greeter in this service, you are intimately connected with those who are greeting in the other services. If you're in the prayer center over here, you're intimately connected with the prayer center over there. We, we have this interconnectedness between us because we're in one church. Last one is this. Everyone in every service identifies, identifies his or her place in a life group sponsored by Mission Church of the Nazarene. At the very core of who we are, we believe that if we are not connectional and relational in what we do, we will have missed a huge part of who we are. We want everybody to find a life group that helps them do life together, helps them grow and reflect on the things of God in their lives. That's who we are. That's part of what makes us one, that we say, yeah, I'm in a life group. Now, you may have a life group like mine. I've got a life group, and I have people in all three services that attend. Well, maybe not now. Two services, at least, that attend my life group. We're in. I know that many of you have, you attend different worship services. You gather together for a life group. That makes us one. It doesn't matter the style or the service that you prefer to go to, but there's something about a connectedness to grow together that is vitally important. I don't know. You see, I, I don't know what the future holds for us as a church. I, I, don't, I don't know where God is leading and what all God's going to do. I just know this much, that I am committed to doing whatever it takes to help us be used by God to reach more people for Christ. I'm willing to do that. We've made some huge changes that I believe your pastoral staff and church board believe are going to help us accomplish that end. But here's the deal. Change is never easy. Is anybody who thinks change is easy? Y'all be liars. I'm sorry. <laughs> All three of you are liars. No, no. Maybe it is easy for you. It's not easy for me, and I don't think it's easy for most people. It, it, it's somehow we, we, this, ah, we get all discombobulated with what we're doing, and we want, we want to stabilize change as quickly as possible. Our tendency is we get scared, we get protective, we get to those places where we turn inward to just meet our own needs. And thus, I'm back to the beginning of my message that calls us to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. 
You see, the paradox of one church, different expressions, is this. It says on the one hand, have church your way. Have church the way you like it. And at the same time, asks us to value others, oftentimes above our own desires or our own preferences, for the goal of reaching people for Christ. We don't naturally go there. We we just don't naturally jump up and say, I'd rather be over here, but I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. We, We don't just naturally go there. Can I just say this? As a pastor, I don't naturally just give up my pulpit. I really like to preach. You understand that? I don't just like to preach. I love to preach. It's what gives me joy and fulfillment in my ministerial calling. I don't just naturally give up my pulpit. But I do that to my pastoral staff because I want to reach people for Christ. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's not easy. It's not what we willingly just jump into. But we go there because we have a higher, more important objective. I want to reach people. You see, and I think when we take steps in that direction, we find that God's help is sufficient to make us strong enough and courageous enough to venture into places and structures that only God can accomplish because we want to reach people for Christ. I'm telling you, that is my commitment to God and to you. It is also my invitation to you as we together live out one church, different expression. Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. I don't know what the future holds. None of us do. We are talking here about the church. We could easily be talking in the very similar language about missionaries going out, about graduates who have just completed a a degree about a business adventure, about moms wondering about their children. And the word remains the same. Be strong. Be courageous. For God is with us.
and he is at work. And so, Lord, we give you our lives, our families, our church, our ministries, our hopes and dreams, our moms, our graduates. We say, God, go before us. Use us as you choose in this place and in the world around us as we live out one church, different expressions, as we reach more people for Christ. We love you, Lord. Take all that we are in Jesus' name.